Welcome back to Safe Space, the official Safe on Our World podcast. For those who don't know, the main goal of Safe on Our World is to create and foster worldwide mental health awareness within the video games industry. My name is Rosie and today I'm joined by Racine Malcolm, who is probably one of the kindest people I've ever had the pleasure to speak to. Um, we've had to redo this introduction like four times because every time we get near to finishing it, we just burst out laughing for no apparent reason. And it's, it's wonderful. Um, <laughs> but Racine has been an enormous part of the Safe in Our World community, um, a part of the Discord. She's certainly taught me an awful lot um, from her experience in, in community management. Um, and she was absolutely incredible during the mental health fundraiser that we did in May this year, which included sitting with me while I had uh, a big old cry and a breakdown about trying to figure out how to make scenes in Ready for Twitch. Um, because I'm terrible and I don't understand any of it. <laughs> but to summarize, uh, Racine is like the most positive force uh, that I, I've ever met. And for the charity specifically, she's been amazing. Um, but I think to say it's fair to say that you're pretty amazing in, in pretty much everything you're involved with at the moment. So I know I sound like I'm kind of doing a reference for you right now, but um, I do genuinely just think you're wonderful. That aside, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. I'll, I'll spew like so much good stuff about you all the time. Hi. <laughs> Hi, I'm Racine. Thanks so much for having me, Rosie. Um, I'm involved in a lot of projects in the gaming space overall. Most of them are, uh, you know, community and diversity, equity and inclusion based projects. And even though Rosie is like, you know, spewing all of this positivity, I honestly have to say that Rosie is just an absolute being like Rosie is an angel. She talks about how I radiate positivity, but honestly, Rosie is one of the most wholesome and encouraging people I've ever met. Just, just being around her brightens your day. I can assure you of that. So if you're not around Rosie, get around Rosie. Oh my God. You can't see me. <laughs> like, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> Stop being so cry. nice to me. <laughs> cry, Rosie. You, I mean, yeah, crying is healthy, but we're going to have oh, to edit. I can't handle podcast. nice things and compliments. <laughs> Wow, why are you me? Call both of <laughs> We're literally out. the same person. <laughs> Honestly. But but yeah, thanks for having me as part of the podcast. I'm super excited to get into all things mental health, community, and DI. Like, get this train going, rolling, choo-chooing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You're I mean, it's, um, huh? You you did a little bit of a wheeze laugh, and those always get oh, to me. Oh, no. Don't make fun it's of okay. my wheeze laugh. No, it's not. No, I'm not making fun of it. It's cute. But like the, <laughs> they just get to me immediately. It's the, it's one of those laughs that it's just super contagious. Once somebody starts wheezing, everybody's like Oh, my God. I wheeze all the time, honestly. And it's, like, it's bad because now that's that's just become my laugh, like my token laugh. And I don't know what to do about it. Keep it. It's your brand. It's 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 you, Rosie. Let it happen. <laughs> it's like struggling to breathe whilst finding things. Oh, no. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, at least me. you're not doing like the wheeze cough laugh. You feel like you know the asthmatic laugh. I used to do that. I don't know why. Oh, we're so Amazing. chaotic. <laughs> no, <laughs> I really was naive thinking there was going to be a good structure to this podcast, and I know that we're just going to go on tangent upon tangent, and I'm not mad about it. Which is great. It's it's good for content. I think it's uh, I think that's one of the reasons why people really love community managers. It's just they're people who are so empathetic, and you know, even though you have a lot of introverted community managers, ironically enough, 
they're so great at holding a conversation and, you know, just making you feel comfortable. And even if that means your podcast is going to be structureless, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind about it. <laughs> so real talk. Tell me about A, your favorite game of all time and B, your favorite game right now. And if they're the same, just tell me your favorite game. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that's that's so hard. I feel like recently I haven't been, you know, gaming, gaming, but I've been playing a lot of gentle, gentle games like Town Scraper. Is it Town Scraper? If I got that wrong, I hope the devil's No, I think that's right. Me. Yeah, Town Scraper. I've been playing that recently. Um, Wait, is it Town Scraper or Townscaper? <laughs> Oh no, it's Townscaper. <laughs> yeah, I knew I added we're an R somewhere. <laughs> yes, we're scraping the town. I'm sorry if the developers of town <laughs> Townscaper ah, listen to this and they hear that. Please don't don't quote me on that. I bet I'm gonna you. clip that. <laughs> don't you dare tag them directly to you. <laughs> no, but I've been playing Townscaper a bit recently. It's been a super relaxing um, game. I think it's one of my favorite games right now. It's kind of gentle. And for some reason, I've been playing Uno a lot on my phone, just during breaks and you know when I'm not working. I, I've just been playing Uno. I don't know what's going on there. I mean, there's Do a lot of Uno them. relaxing. <laughs> I don't know. Uno is so toxic. I think you'd be the first. <laughs> Uno is so toxic. Uno is where you lose all your friends. <laughs> Uno is so toxic. I mean, people think COD is toxic, but have you ever done four draw fours on someone in one Uno game? That's so toxic. Honestly, that's like the worst thing you could possibly do to a human being. Like that is, I got, I don't know what happened for the Uno mobile game, but I got like a full deck of just plus fours, and I was like, so I basically win. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you're about to destroy someone's life, basically. I did. I feel bad, and the plus fours kept landing on one person specifically. No one had a reverse. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> But yeah, oddly enough, Uno, I don't know why. I mean, I'm going through a transitional phase in my life right now where I'm adjusting a lot of things and building up a lot of things. So I guess I've had a little bit less time for, you know, typical gaming that I would do, like playing open world games and stuff like that, which I find completely relaxing and kind of exploring the indie scene as well. But I haven't really had much time for that recently, but soon. Hopefully within like the next month, I should have more time for that. But if I have to talk about my favorite games of all time right now. I mean, putting favorites up on that pedestal is super hard for me as well because I feel like all of that shifts over time as well. So I've so. definitely always been one to recommend Rome um, and When the Darkness Comes. Those are two great psychological horror games. I think they're an awesome experience, especially I find that Rome is a super interesting way to perceive how someone would necessarily deal with their own um, death that's super interesting or how the afterlife may manifest for someone based on their experiences. I think it's a super cool game. I don't want to give any spoilers, but it's a first person perspective um, experience. And I think the atmosphere, the architectural visualization, visualization, English, everything was just fantastic. The audio and everything. It was developed by a student team. I did reach out to them on Twitter shortly after my fourth or fifth sixth seventh i'm replaying it and you know i just let them know it's a great game i really don't ever get tired of replaying it and i love introducing people to it it's just a, an awesome experience and then when the darkness comes is a game specifically that 
kind of deals with the experience of a developer and the different things they go through in terms of mental health struggles and through processing that and you know it's it's a lot and i think it can be heavy if you're really going through stuff right now if you if you're having any mental health struggles and specifically related to certain topics such as depression and certain forms of ideation i wouldn't necessarily recommend you playing that game but otherwise go for it it's a great experience you get a lot of insight into mental health from the perspective of a developer so i think that's super awesome those are two games i will always recommend and then on the more like relaxed side i would say there's also per aspera by raw fury thank you for the key zeke i have not stopped playing that since um i received it it's a great game it's one of those things where like even if you don't have time you can play it and basically you know terraform mars it's it's, it's awesome don't 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 tell elon musk please Oh, no, your secret's safe with me. Don't worry. I mean, I'm he sure he has already knows. different things to be doing than listening to the podcast. But, you know, if you're, if you're listening, <laughs> this is the right lead to Elon. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. But, but yeah, that's me. What about you? What are you, what are you playing right now, Ruth? I know you're a fan of wholesome stuff, so. I do love the wholesome stuff. I, I've also been playing a few, like, mobile games as well because... I find like I really resonated with what you were just saying about like not really having time to get into a a big open world game or a big story game. So I've been playing like some solitaire games. There's a game called Flick Solitaire, which I was introduced to by someone out making games and I adore it. It's just delightful. Um, But then having said that, I recently discovered that Skyrim has come out on Switch. (laughs) And so it's time for me to ruin my life on skyrim oh, again no rosie listen i will i'll simply just message you if i see it on your discord status at like five in the morning rosie we're gonna have, <laughs> we're gonna have to talk rosie you cannot play skyrim on switch at 2 45 a.m it's not healthy don't call me out like every, this. you're gonna do it every day rosie it's not like a once once a day like you know once every other day thing every if i see it on your status every day at a specific time we're gonna have to talk i'm okay. just gonna be constantly offline so you never know <laughs> i i will sense it rosie oh no the skyrim sense it's the real oh. sense <laughs> i will sense it and i will immediately just message you like rosie are you are you up playing skyrim on such right now what we're doing go to bed <laughs> get off Yes, go I'd be, be healthy. <laughs> but no, Skyrim is up there. Um, and Animal Crossing, since the update has come back, I've been I heavy honestly, back into Animal this Crossing. Is, this is pretty blasphemous. Don't, 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 don't call me out, but I actually have not played Animal Crossing yet. I don't own a Switch. I might get one, but I do not own a Switch, nor have I played Animal Crossing. I feel like the entire fandom is going to come for me, including <laughs> the people that I'm friends with in the gaming industry, too. They're going to call me out on that. Why haven't you played Animal Crossing yet? It's the peak of wholesome gaming. Why wouldn't you? Don't judge me. I don't have a Switch. Oh, no judgment. I only got a Switch <laughs> earlier this year. And I, okay. I mean, I played Animal Crossing when I was a kid. But uh, it's very up your street. I feel like you'd love it. <laughs> yeah, but there's another game that's pretty close to that that you can download on mobile. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Lisa. If you listen to this, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing free promo. But it's, it's a really cute game. It's called Sunshine Days. It has a similar aesthetic. I think it's super cute. You can download it on mobile whenever you're ready. It's just so cute. What's it about? I like the sound of it. 
Oh god, even just the name itself just makes me it just gives me a warm feeling. It's it's literally the most adorable thing. Um and the graphics are perfect. So Sunshine Days is essentially like I said, the premise is similar to um you know, Animal Crossing, but you know, you can kind of take ownership of a new home in, in Sunshine Days. Like you move into a new town, the house is suspiciously cheap. I think the house was actually free, I believe. I would need to check back on that. I haven't played, like I haven't replayed the intro in a while. I've just been doing tasks, a lot of quests. Don't judge me. Um, but I think it's super cute. The graphics are great. It's a relaxing game, so you don't really feel any pressure. The graphics are super easy on the eyes. Um, and they also have they also have <laughs> they also have um, you know, ways to kind of identify yourself in a more gender neutral way. So I really like the fact that they have like diverse way of identifying yourself as a player in the game. So you never really felt feel left out. Um, like they have gender neutral options and even designing your character you can have like a really neutral appearance or if you're more femme identifying or mask identifying you could do that or if you don't really feel like identifying with anything you can also do that i really like how diverse the game is and i know they were um looking for diversity consultants at one point so they're really serious about creating inclusive games like they're netspeak as a company, they're super serious about that. And it's totally reflected through their communities, through the games they make. Sunshine Days is super cute. Um, props to Lisa because she built up this adorable community. I know she's going to probably say, oh, Racine, you know, without you and the support of others, I wouldn't be able to build up the, I'm, I will, I will pinch her little cheeks. Lisa, <laughs> you did that all on your own. You're an amazing community manager and I adore you. <laughs> uh, I feel like it's such an easy thing for people to be able to do as well like within games is just to offer a, at least a larger spectrum of, op of options for people during character creation because like there are a lot of games that <laughs> definitely have the budget to do so yeah and they're they're you know I understand that a lot of um games are you know or a lot of studios are now getting into um, really understanding what diversity, equity, and inclusion means and how this can manifest in their companies and how to be more considerate of not only their player base, but even internally with the people that they hire. How are they retaining their employees? How are they engaging with freelancers? Are Do you have um, language that is considerate of everyone right, in terms of ethnicity, race, um, ability, et cetera, right? You know, how do you create a well-rounded, diverse, and equitable company, whether that's through the games you make or the way you operate your company, et cetera. Like a lot of, a lot of companies are now kind of coming into understanding that and really valuing the importance of having a truly diverse company. Like you can always hire a DEI person, but obviously it goes beyond them. They're there to help with facilitating certain things that start at leadership and then span out from there. So you can always hire a DEI person, but then are you actually gonna listen to them? Are you going to actively improve on what you're doing? So seeing companies like NetSpeak and other companies that are coming up and really integrating DEI within what they're doing, that's awesome, honestly. And I have to give props to companies that I see doing that. Yeah, I think it's important as well to be able to showcase best practice and and show other companies what is possible because I do think a lot of companies will hire a DEI person and then think that that's job done and they fix diversity which obviously isn't the case um 
But I guess, so have you, th- do you think you've seen an improvement over the time that you've worked in community management and DEI as a freelancer with companies? Yes and no. I've seen a lot more interest in DEIB, but not necessarily um, rides towards it. Like I see a lot more companies, ad- you know, adapting to the current climate as they would call it, but only a few companies so far I've seen have really pushed behind their diversity initiatives. I know DEI is basically a lot of people are dealing with it. Like it's a trending term now, just like how community popped up as a trending term. And it's kind of sad to see that as well. It's good that it's getting the attention that it needs, but then is it getting the action that it needs, right? So it's kind Mm -hmm. of a yes and no, where you see a lot of attention being put towards it. And you see some companies putting a lot of effort towards it, but then you have a lot of people who um, are also labeling themselves as champions of diversity just for, you know, social points. And it's it's super tiring to continuously see people like that enter the space because it's dangerous um, and it's unhealthy to really encourage people like that to be present within DI circles. But what can you do? People are looking for ways to put themselves out there and really identify with the social climate. And I understand, but not really. <laughs> Yeah, it, no, it's it's really tricky, especially so if you yes see someone no. advocating for that sort of thing where you know that their actions have gone against that. Yeah, so it's definitely a yes and no thing. I'm seeing a lot more people genuinely becoming interest in, interested in DEI and working towards that. And I'd love to see more companies following in that suit sincerely, right? Not just for, oh, yay, we're a company full of humans and we're doing authentic things, but then there's nothing behind that. So you really want those intentionally driven DEI programs that are genuine and sincere and have awesome people behind it who really authentically care about DEIB and how this can affect not only the working world but personal life you know right if you're working in a company that's inclusive and you feel comfortable you're not going to come home from work like oh god like you're not going to feel a certain level of burden that you might if you're working with a company that doesn't have a healthy environment, right? So it's super crucial that those things become the forefront of a lot of companies and in a really authentic way. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And and Sarah and I have been doing some work on this recently with um, with a lot of students who are looking to enter the games industry um, for the first time. And I really want it to evolve into a place where companies are competing against each other almost in a friendly sort of way to be able to be more that what they can offer to their new employees is more inclusive. They can offer more support, mental health. Um, You know, they actually are proving themselves rather than just saying they're not doing, you know, yeah, Yeah, there's an action behind it. Yeah, exactly. And they're they're showing that they're taking it seriously and that they actually have things in place instead of just slapping on, uh, you know, a line to say that they're really diverse and inclusive. Yeah. Nothing to back that up. Right. You'll see a lot of companies posting statistics of, you know, their their variety of ratios in terms of um, ethnic diversity, diversity of age and all of those things. And then you see all of that and you're like, okay, so you're hiring a lot of people from diverse groups. So what are you doing to support them within their roles of pathways for promotion and retention? How do you make them feel like they're actually growing and appreciated and understood, right? Um, a lot of companies that I've seen talk about DEI can be quite, you know, all show, no do, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. So it would be really great to see, I mean, 
same level of show if you want, but more do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. And having that diversity across the whole board of all seniorities, because yeah, often it is not the case. Um, right. And, uh, yeah. A lot of people are, are what I've noticed in terms of kind of taking it from the recruiter's perspective as well. Um, I've seen a lot of people hiring diversely for a lot of entry level roles and a lot of like low seniority roles. I would love to see um, more diversity within senior roles and, you know, directorial roles, right? I'm, I'm, I am lucky to be in the position where I am, where I can say I'm occupying two roles at a director level as a black, um, you know, non-American individual who, you know, identifies in a way that might not be necessarily gender non-conforming. I really, you know, there, you really don't see that often. And I think it'd be great to see more people in leadership roles of, you know, hitting all of those spectrums or across a broader range of, you know, um, backgrounds. It'd be awesome, right? I can't remember where I was reading this, but I had seen, I had seen some uh, statistics somewhere about the, and this is exclusive to America. I don't really, you know, unfortunately, I didn't have international statistics for this, um, or on that scale. I did have a few, but mainly like South American. Um, but pertaining to America specifically, um, there were some statistics regarding like the presence of uh, black women in leadership positions in the U.S. as opposed to their white counterparts or their Asian counterparts or Pacific Islander counterparts. And the statistics were honestly jarring when you really see not only the wage disparity between the same group of marginalized individuals based on um, gender identity, right, but also how ethnicity and race sort of play into that. So it's super interesting to see all of these things play out. And it would be more awesome to see a lot more companies actively working on sort of flattening the curve, I guess, in terms of who you have in leadership, right? And what goes into selecting leader people in leadership, right? I mean, even myself, I think I hesitated a lot when going for leadership roles. And part of that has to do with um, cultural indoctrination coming from a Jamaican society. Yes, um, I think to some extent, uh, Jamaican society empowers uh, femme identifying folks in a certain way, but there's also still that very oppressive side of um, Jamaican society that does kind of, it kind of has a restrictive influence on um, femme identifying groups, right? So kind of coming from that background, but luckily, you know, being around people that are independent and constantly striving and also kind of being an independent personality myself, while I did hesitate to apply for those roles, being aware of myself and my background and who I am, and the requirements for these roles and doing research into, because I do that a lot, I'm rambling right now, but I do that a lot whenever I'm going to apply for a company. Um, I look into the background, I look at who's there, who's in leadership, right? Like, how am I going to fit into this? So I do a lot of that and just, you know, being aware of that and then still applying and going on. There's a lot more anxiety than I than I would like. You know, I think there are a lot more ways to make these processes more inviting um, for people like me and people who aren't like me, which is what diversity is really kind of understanding differences and how you can encourage that within these spaces, whether it's personal or work or, you know, anything. All of that to say, yay, be more inclusive. That was yeah. a long winded rant. 
and I changed points like five times. <laughs> no, but it was really valuable and I, I agree with everything you're saying because it come from such a different sort of perspective than what I would usually see. And I think that's so important because it's it must be so difficult to look at a company that maybe you want to get involved with and be unfamiliar with them, first of all, but then have to try and do all of this background research to make sure that it's even a place that could be considered safe for you to go to, you know? Was that Sorry. a pun, Rosie? Oh my God, no, but thank you. Hey, Rosie, was that a pun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but definitely, all rambles aside, um, it can be challenging occasionally to find companies where you will feel comfortable. There needs to be... For me, I, I usually have a few marks that I use to show if a company might be good to place myself in, whether that's the way they treat me during the initial screening call, the language that they use, um, their team structure and how you know things are handled. Like with Mothership, one of the companies I'm working with, the majority of leadership right now is femme identifying, right? So that's awesome. And the CEO is a woman. Um, so kind of seeing that and then we're slowly becoming more diverse in terms of our core team. So, you know, Seeing things like that and how, you know, willing people are to be inclusive and to diversify their team, not only in terms of race, because I know a lot of people focus heavily on race and ethnicity as a point um, of diversity within companies, but you also have other things like I mentioned, diversity of age, diversity of ability, diversity of other, you know, points of background, right? Because you can identify, um, so many different things in this life or you can identify with sorry so many different things in this life so having companies sort of understand that and how diverse one person truly is and how diverse every person they engage with truly is it's super crucial so those are some things that i tend to focus on a lot when engaging with companies it's every check mark but just knowing that they're open to it and they're willing to empathize and they're willing to you know be open about certain things I think it's it's good yeah I agree I think and also being open to learning and knowing that you don't know everything and that things yeah you know because I, I think that's a really easy hole to fall into is that you get advice from one person and you're like right okay that's that's it now I don't need to know anymore it's like it, everything is always changing there is always more to learn and you lose nothing from doing that um so but to, to kind of um, segue a little bit into the more community manager side of things, um, I guess what kind of made you make the move into working around communities more? Yeah. Um, so ever since I was younger, and I think this is a story I've told a lot of times, um, ever since I was younger, um, you know, when you're growing up and you're around other kids, they'll always say, oh, my career interest is I want to be a fireman or I want to be a doctor or something like that, right? You know, I had, I don't even know how I knew to pronounce it it's at five, but I, I basically said that I wanted to be a philanthropist. And, you know, when you're around other five-year-olds, they're like, what, 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 what is that? What, what does that do? Did I explain it properly? Maybe. I don't know. I, I love that that's, that's the response because <laughs> I was definitely like I want to be an astronaut <laughs> I don't understand what it's like to be a human yet <laughs> no honestly same seas. I mean the thing is technically technically kind of because safe in our world's branding is space themed so maybe you did get to be an astronaut Rosie you're right and you know what we all live on a rock in space so yes technically, we're all technically astronauts <laughs> <laughs> but but um yeah, just 
coming from that background with wanting to be involved in philanthropy and just I've always really wanted to find a way to support others and create those healthy environments and kind of be a resource for that. And so um, I think it's one of those things where one, I sort of accidentally, partially accidentally and partially intentionally rolled and stumbled into games community management. And now like I'm in the broader tech field. Um, but I think it was one of those things that I was destined to do, if that makes sense, if you believe in destiny and all sorts of things like that. But I think it's one of those things that aligns well with me as a person and my core traits. So it, it just sort of makes sense that that happened. I got in through volunteering and then I shortly got um, paid positions after that as a freelancer. Um, and things kind of just went from there. And I went through a lot in the gaming industry. I can't deny that from use of employers to social climbers kind of you know unfortunately i had to go through being tokenized a lot as a black individual um it's just you know you go through a lot in the gaming industry it is it is an industry that is going through change that is growing that is developing and there are a lot of pain points there um but i will say that i've gone through a lot um and i mean yeah. getting getting to the point where i can reflect on that now and say like I went through, can I curse? Uh, how bad is it? Not that bad. Like, go for it. I, I'm, 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 yeah, I, I, you know, I went through a lot of chocolate fudge. I mean, you, know, <laughs> you can say shit if you like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could take you seriously if you say it. <laughs> you didn't preface it with, you know. <laughs> I don't know if this is going in the blooper reel or the actual podcast. Honestly, um, I feel like it could go in both. Honestly, yeah, just blooper reel, you know, chocolate fudge, golden doodle. <laughs> I'm sorry, my partner just walked by and showed me a picture of a golden doodle. I was like, that was so, where did that come from? I don't don't show me the golden doodle oh my god the price for a gold golden doodle i cannot english um <laughs> this is going in the blooper reel this part with the golden doodle i think it's probably where was the best. I? Where? <laughs> I don't even okay yeah but you were going through some chocolate fudge yeah i was going through a lot of chocolate fudge um at the time it was i, I think it was a really educational experience and that sort of taps into why i began mentorship right because I wanted to create an environment where mentees could have the opportunity to have a good start in the industry, right? Whether that's setting your rates, because that's one thing I had definitely had struggles with coming into the industry. And I want to be, be there to advocate for my mentees and say, this is their starting rate. You're going to pay them this and we will go through finding clients until we find one that aligns with those things, right? There's certain criteria that companies have to meet for me to feel comfortable enough to say, okay, yeah, I can recommend you my mentee. This is a safe environment for them to be in and grow. Um, and I mean, sometimes that's not always the case, right? Like an environment will seem great at first. And then as you actually get into it, there are a lot of, yeah, there are a lot of hiccups along the way. And I think that's applicable to any company, especially as they grow and change, but there's certain things that are just unacceptable. And Definitely going through the process with mentees of having to switch work environments or encourage them to switch work environments or professionally deal with a client being unprofessional, right? You know, trying to navigate those things, even 
as a freelancer myself, prior to having mentees was a wild adventure because the gaming industry is a wild adventure. <laughs> Correct. But it's so nice that they have someone like you that's looking out for them in that sort of way, because especially if they're new to the industry, these aren't things that immediately come to mind. Um, so I think you're doing a brilliant job in that respect. Uh, compliments. <laughs> I, I might honestly ask you to re-record this entire episode because if I listen back and I hear myself at this level of chaos, I'm gonna say, Rosie, delete this. No, this we'll just never, deal with it. This, no, we will never show this in the world. <laughs> Absolutely, that's not true. But <laughs> my brain is so all over the place; I can feel it. Although I'm probably just, you know, that's one of those things that comes with imposter syndrome as well. You assume you're rambling, and then probably a couple of days later, you listen back, you're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. No, I, I absolutely, I think you're, everything you're saying is, is very valid and it makes sense to me. But I guess, oh, this is one thing I really want to talk to you about, actually. So um, I was talking with one of my friends about imposter syndrome the other day, and there, there was an article specifically that said, stop telling women they have imposter syndrome. Um, and then it kind of led on to the discussion around the fact that so many marginalized groups or underrepresented groups feel like they have imposter syndrome because they are constantly reminded that they're not a part of where they work or where they live or like they're constantly excluded in that respect or not feel as though they're, they're totally welcome, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I thought it was really interesting and I wondered if you'd ever experienced anything like that and thought the fact that maybe if you're experiencing imposter syndrome, it's actually not all about you, but it's about the environment that you've, you've found yourself in. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Your environment kind of impacts you and how you reflect on yourself and how you reflect on people around you. And that goes back to the point of, you know, leaving unhealthy work environments. They may not necessarily be unhealthy as a whole, but they might not be healthy for you to be present, right? So finding places that you feel completely comfortable in, like it, it's not necessarily a bad work environment, but maybe certain things don't align with you anymore, right? There are times where you outgrow work environments and it definitely impacts how you engage within those companies. So you might come into a company and they have a great onboarding process and you know everything seems smooth, but then afterwards when you get into it, you notice a lot of things that are uninclusive and you kind of feel put to the side. And I've especially experienced that as a freelancer because a lot of companies sort of see you as not necessarily, I don't want to word it like that, but it's one of the easiest ways to probably put it, um, sort of see you as disposable as opposed to their actual employee base, right? So you can right. definitely in certain companies feel that huge divide in terms of certain benefits social benefits really that employees will have as opposed to freelancers like there was there were clear divides in a, in a handful of companies that I've worked in and it did cause a rift between employees and freelancers and a lot of awkwardness during bigger team meetings and you know I think a lot of that can in the long term contribute to certain perceptions of self um, and have a certain impact on self-worth because you're constantly feeling like the outsider, right? And so it makes you question, oh, why, do, why don't I have these privileges within the company? Is it because I'm not skilled enough? Am I not getting this promotion because, you know, X, Y, Z, or is it really just exclusive to the fact that I'm in this country and I can't have certain benefits because 
it's legally annoying to deal with basically, right? So yeah, I do think certain environments can encourage these negative self-perceptions that can be really taxing mentally and can impact your longer career traje trajectory, honestly, because you might carry these things with you into other work environments and say, oh, maybe I won't get a promotion here because of these factors or maybe, you know, X, Y, Z. And of course, it's not limited to those things. There are other things that go into, for example, receiving a promotion or getting to move into a new department or getting to try a new skill at work or like being involved in certain things, right? But the way a lot of companies handle that sometimes is not conducive to creating collaborative and healthy work environments. And it can be very exclusionary and cause issues like imposter syndrome to pop up as a concern. I mean, even during our mental health course, um, I remember someone was talking about how they were having issues with um, a team and how it made them feel as a manager. And you mentioning that just reminded me of that. There, there are so many ways that you can feel um, kind of excluded from a lot of things. No, I agree. I think it must be really easy almost to like, unconsciously internalize a lot of these things that you're feeling and attribute that to imposter syndrome or whatever it might be um and kind of make a case for it in your head as well which is super tricky um yeah but i guess leading on from that then i apart from imposter syndrome and things that we've already mentioned what what do you think are your biggest challenges that you've had from being in this space and being in community management and DEI um or even because I know that you you did like a little bit of streaming as well yeah so I I think all of those challenges are specific to who I'm working with at a given point in time or you know then you'll have those overarching issues like questioning my skill set and you know Sometimes openness can be an issue and reaching out for help when needed. That's something I've been growing out of, luckily. Um, where it's a thing that sometimes it's hard to say, I'm struggling right now, I'm tired. I'm used to being an overperformer, right? So it's one of those things where sometimes that I, I get ahead of myself, where it's like, I can do this, I can do this, and I keep doing it. And by the time I finish everything, I'm completely busted and kind of trying to openly say, hey, I, I need help, right? It, it can sometimes be really challenging. So I think that's been one of my greatest concerns. Mm. I think it's it's always tricky as well because I think you're so emotionally invested in a lot of the things that you're working on that you find it hard to say. And like, please tell me if I'm not, if I'm just speaking for you and this is not the case, but I just get the feeling that because you're so passionate about what you do, it's, and I know it's the case for me, it's a lot harder to say no to things or to to stop working because you you genuinely enjoy what you're doing most of the time. Yeah, and that's the thing. You can genuinely enjoy doing something, but if you continue to have those unhealthy workflows in place or workflows that may not necessarily be sustainable long-term, something that you once enjoyed can actually quickly become unenjoyable. And then that's ob obviously going to cause some form of cognitive dissonance and you're going to feel like, is this not what I'm meant to do? Why am I feeling like this about it when you really just need to step back and pace yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of community managers and directors can relate on that. I'm sorry. I think uh, especially community managers in a space where there's always more to do like that. It's very hard to switch off, especially if you work in social media, like it's so easy to just 
check something real quick and then yeah check something real quick and then you end up looking through about five hours worth of work now like i'm speaking from experience (laughs) oh my god who would do that (laughs) oh my gosh don't call me out (laughs) (laughs) i didn't say anything you just (laughs) 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 all right okay so okay we'll swing back to the games then so we've talked a little bit about that you have your favorite games and they're they're generally some pretty wholesome and others are psychological um and i guess my question to you would be what what has been your personal relationship with games and mental health together in your own life yeah i guess i'm i mean my taste probably called me out (laughs) um (laughs) yeah so you know just i i I find that I like I, I tend to resonate with games that focus a lot on the psychological aspect of simply being human, whether this manifests in like a fantasy kind of way or something to do with realism or you know just any genre specifically. I like when there's that psychological element of it where you can delve into the mind of whether you know whether it's a protagonist or some some other character, right? You get get to feel in tune with them and their experiences and this kind of goes back to Rome as a game where you're you're sort of going along the journey with um, the main character as she comes to the realization that she has passed away and the way that she did pass away was really really traumatizing for her as she passes through the afterlife and it, it's sort of interesting to see the contrast between you know towards the end of the game the more where it, it kind of gets more chaotic as you go along, right? Things get more distorted and frightening as she kind of, you know, acknowledges the fact that, yeah, she's gone. Like, she's no longer alive. And the way she died was neat. So, and, and you know, she also goes through these points of, like, fear that she had associated with um, certain pieces of art. And I think that really reflects what she was thinking about when she was alive and the way she prioritized certain things. Like, you know, interpretation is subjective, but I personally like games where I can go along journeys like that and really experience what they're experiencing. Because the first time I played Rome, it really, the character's experience really hit me a lot when I really realized what was happening. Every time after that, it feels like I'm getting a deeper and deeper insight into the different ways one can actually interpret um, mm. this experience, right? So you get to go through the pain and the happiness of the memories and then like the, the fear coming with, you know, that next step. And I think that's not just exclusive to matters dealing with the afterlife, if that's something you believe in, but like just that particular moment where she has to step in and say, okay, yeah, I'm ready, I can do this. We've had a lot of moments like that in life, right? Where you kind of just, you're going, you're delving into the unknown. You don't know what's going to happen. You just, you just throw yourself at it, right? So even though this was specifically related to that topic, I think it was still a great way to have greater understanding of things that you'll experience even in your waking life, right? So finding games like that where, you know, you have that element of understanding and empathy explored in the game, I think those are super crucial for me, um, especially coming from a cultural background where emotional expression and understanding is repressed. And so um, there are a lot of unhealthy coping mechanisms that come from living within Jamaican society. Um, 
And so kind of being able to have an outlet for a lot of these things and be able, being able to sort of see it manifested in that way, I think it helps a lot because you find a lot more things that you resonate with and you get to see these differing perspectives and understandings that can be really enriching for you long-term. And of course, I have my own mental health struggles with, you know, uh, dysthymia and PTSD and things like that. So those gaming experiences that align with things like that, it, it really gives me more insight into myself in a, in a way that can be new, in a way that can be familiar, in a way that can be unique, whatever it is. I just find it really enlightening. And I'm super appreciative of experiences like that. They mean a lot to me. And uh, even when I had relaunched my Twitch channel, I'd gotten a lot of recommendations for games that deal with um, mental health and family issues and things like that, things that I can resonate with a lot. So games are intrinsic to my mental health journey as of the last few years. And it's been crucial as a way of better understanding myself. I love that because I, I think it's really having powerful stories and narratives is, is a massive thing for me as well when I play games because I have to feel connected to either the character, the, the protagonist or some character within the game to really feel that. And especially when you see something that maybe you haven't quite dealt with or haven't quite processed yet, it can be like a kind of, again, pardon the pun, but like a safe place to be able wow. to um explore that wow. in your own uh in your wow. own time it's like a little sandbox wow sorry wow. no i'm 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 you i'm sorry every time you say safe my brain is just like don't do it racy <laughs> no better you know better don't do it talking about serious business it's fine sometimes in life she just says safe don't think about it too oh i did it Oop. i said i wouldn't do it i did it i'm sorry feel bad it's just human <laughs> i do the same thing and then i don't even realize that it's happening so yeah honestly i'm gonna call you out every time you say safe <laughs> please do we should have a safe counter i'm gonna the end. That. <laughs> we'll i will figure literally out. make it right now <laughs> Oh no! Should we have like a, a standing, standing or like a chart, a, a little graph to show how many times we say it? I will. I will make that graph right now. <laughs> oh. oh, I can't help it. I think it's just too intertwined to your branding. It's. I think it. you're probably right. I get it, Rose. I mean, I'm going to say it at least <laughs> once an episode because I have to say, "Welcome back to safe." Safe space. Uh, the official safe in our world. <laughs> oh my god, the word sounds wrong now. I don't think I can say it. Oh, anymore. No. I'm gonna. Oh, I'm exiting the building. I'm leaving this podcast episode <laughs> right now. Nobody look for me. I'm leaving. Can you hear? Oh my god, you can't even hear the door opening. The noise cancellation. Yeah, it doesn't sound like I'm moving at all. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Well, before you leave, um, I'll ask one more question, and then I will. I will allow it, but. If you, if, you, if, if you had to give any parting wisdom to someone who was either looking to get involved in community management or DEI or mentorship or even just exploring their own mental health within games, um, what would be your advice to people? I feel like there's a lot of advice across the board that can be given from so many different people. I think one of the best things is form genuine connections, right? 
aside from the more logistic side of things, like if you're being, if you're going to be a freelancer, you know, get your shit together, like in terms of financials, maybe from a, you know, helps with applying for a mortgage later. But that, you know, you know, um, form genuine connections with the, with people who, you know, you could even see yourself being friends with, right? Because when I initially approached Safe in Our World, and I think this is something I like to do in every work environment, even though you should definitely segment your work and your personal relationships, I think it's a thing where it's great if you can also work with people that you can be friends with outside of work. You don't need to be friends with everyone that you work with. That's not what I'm saying, but you definitely build connections with people who you really resonate with. Don't just network for networking's sake, right? Build those long-term relationships that you know you actually feel fulfilled in and the other person can feel fulfilled in. Yeah, I agree. If you've got an authentic relationship with someone that you work with, that's, that's just a benefit, if anything. Like, it's great. I love working with people who I really do resonate with in terms of values, but also if we just, our personalities get on. It's like, amazing. I can't wait to keep working with this person. Exactly. Because when I, when I initially um, sort of, you know, came into Safe in Our World, I already knew from day one that you and I would be friends. And here we are now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> right? I literally cannot stop saying positive things about you. Whenever anyone asks about Safe in Our World, and even when I'm in the middle of venting, I, I literally just spew positive stuff about Safe in Our World. Literally, the name of the charity, everyone that works here, it, it radiates safety and comfort. So definitely living up to the company name. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Don't cry, Rosie. I'm not no, there no. to give you a blanket. Oh, I know. Wait, why would I give you a blanket if you're crying? I mean, blanket, Rosie blanket. Burrito. Yeah, come, you know, Rosie Burrito and maybe a handkerchief for whenever you do, you do cry. Yeah, exactly. But no, I, I, I really appreciate that. It's, it's always so nice to hear. And that's I, you know, exactly the vibe that we want to give off. <laughs> what is not a vibe was the fact that Twitter.com dragged me the other day because I made a terrible, terrible, terrible joke. If anyone remembers Squat Bay, um, I had done a photo shoot the other day. And pretty much one of the poses I did, <laughs> I had my hands kind of above my knees. Yeah. And so... I posted it, I tagged Squat Bay, and I was like, close enough, and she dragged me. <laughs> Wait, did she? What did she say? It wasn't bad. She was like, what did she say? Close enough to what, ma'am? <laughs> and then her community just hopped on me. Luckily, it wasn't actually bullying. They were just like, you know, you know how sometimes Twitter like playfully drags people. Oh, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much I got I got roasted, as I should have, because what was I doing? I was I was just trying to be humorous, you know. I thought she would have, you know, I thought it would have been a little bit more humorous. <laughs> I think it worked out in the best possible way that it could have done. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I'm just glad I didn't actually get dragged, like actual dragging. That would have been a different oh, story. Yeah. It was all in good faith. <laughs> yes, I had I had to make sure I ended the podcast with at least one funny story, honestly. And that was probably the funniest thing that happened to me. Aside from me, um, what, what, I feel like I have a lot of... I, I could make a whole episode on embarrassing things that I've done. Honestly. Should this just be a mini-series now? <laughs> God, I, honestly, we could do like a mini-series safe in our world bloopers and the bloopers are like everything do you do you know the amount of times i tripped while walking yesterday i nearly face planted i'll just walking on the street with my partner let me tell you what that reminds me of when i was playing uh vr 
I was playing in my VR headset and I was supposed to sit back down and my chair was behind me. And it was one of those rolling chairs. I missed it by one centimeter. You just see my character fall through the map and you hear the sound of me just, I, I, oh God, my back. I, <laughs> oh no. Listen, I have to make sure I end the episode with some really humorous stories. I think that's it though. I'll probably tell more later. Oh, I'm trying to think of like the most tragic thing that's happened to me lately, but oh, most no. of what I do is <laughs> so. Why dramatic. I love that. You're like, I, I need to think of the most tragic thing that's happened. Oh yeah. I mean, there's a lot that happens, but none spring to mind right now because my mind's working against me and it's like, you want to be funny? <laughs> not today. <laughs> Certainly not on a recording. Oh my mm. God. What is going on? Did Twitter update something? Apparently people are now identifying as video game companies. Like, apparently Twitter updated something. I guess you can add your work now. It just says video game company. Interesting. That's, I mean, honestly, same. I'm I'm also a video game company. Um, (laughs) Do I have a pastel color mode option like Grim? Maybe not. Uh, I have a Jamaican option. I I just want an edit tweet option. Uh, we're never getting that. Stop hoping for the the impossible. Oh, I know, right but it would really help me with no. my ability no. to type. No, you know this. You've no. experienced this firsthand. I can't no. write a tweet without it. <laughs> really, please, you and I both. If we look at our message history, the amount of times we've just <laughs> like both messed up on. T- oh my god, it's just it's like a whole thing. I could screenshot and make a collage of it. And it would just make sense oh, to us. You know what? Something, <laughs> something tragic did happen yesterday. Oh, I just no. And um, I don't know if this will make it into the final cut or not. But Jake, if, you, if you're editing this and you think it's, it's good enough, it can go in, I suppose. Um, but we, I was, <laughs> I was in a, a Twitch stream chatting and um, someone was talking about, because um, I was really tired and I always make mistakes when I'm really tired. And my persona or like my name on most platforms as arty party and so it got changed to arty snoozy because I'm always tired and it's like yeah perfect right and then we were talking about like oh maybe I should just get it tattooed across my forehead so people know when I'm being an idiot a temporary tattoo. oh my god and then I said I meant to say like oh I I can't wait to wear those temporary tattoos but then I said I can't wait to eat them <laughs> and then I didn't notice for like five minutes and no one responded to me and it was just really embarrassing because no one like acknowledge the fact that I just said something that made no sense and was a bit weird um and I was just like I felt so betrayed (laughs) by everyone in that chat who could have just like you know deleted the message banned me from talking like anything just made me look less of an idiot I would have simply (laughs) just discord disconnection sound (laughs) <laughs> or like microsoft windows <laughs> shut down <laughs> yes wait where's my soundboard i feel like this is a really good way to end the podcast if we keep talking it's gonna be a two-hour podcast and people are gonna wonder what happened how did we get here <laughs> yeah and then they just listen to the two hours and be like ah oh, that's how we got here we just let ah, them yes. keep talking this is why we need a better mediator than me because i'm terrible and we'll just keep going <laughs> no you're perfectly fine um okay no we will wrap it up i think it's been i've i've had a really nice time so thanks for coming on it's always a pleasure yes. to talk to you um i swear this whole conversation was an energy boost <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming on honestly it's, it's been a blast um and for those listening 
Um, I hope that this episode has been educational in some way or helpful in some way. Um, if you are struggling, please know that you're not alone. There is a lot of support out there for you if you need it. And if you're looking for somewhere to start, please do visit our website at safeinourworld.org to find a list of global helplines, um, as well as a lot of information about different feelings and symptoms and all sorts of bits and bobs. So thanks for tuning thing. in. Oh, and one more and thing. One more yes i have one more thing that was a great outro rosie and you know what i think personally i think you deserve a standing ovation for that that was a great closing honestly 10 out of 10 um would love to hear that again you should do that again although maybe not right now because we're still recording it but you know just i had to give you a standing ovation okay that's the end of this episode That's the end of this episode. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Everyone scramble. Everyone scramble.